Welcome to the Strategic Life Podcast, episode 88, Devout in Doubt, with your host, Coach Mario. Dr. Mario. Along with Frank. And a very special guest we have here today. We are here with Paul Baldwin, and I'm going to send this over to Dr. Mario in the doctor's corner, because I don't want to... I, I want the best intro from my man Paul here. Oh, good God! Go ahead, Doctor Mark. Give, 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 give no him. No pressure, the, man. No give pressure. Him, give him the sauce, dude. He is a friend. He is a father. He is a pastor. He's a leader. He is an author, a business coach, and just an all-around great guy. His primary work has been investing in hungry leaders who have a deep desire to have a big kingdom impact in their immediate context. He holds undergraduate degree in sociology and organizational management and a master's degree in education and counseling from Cal Poly State University. He is currently working on his master's degree, yes, Mm -hmm. global leadership from Fuller Seminary. Come on now. Mm. (laughs) And he served as a consultant, a coach, and church planter across the United States. I am so excited about this book, you more important than the book. The book is you. Welcome to the Strategic Life Podcast. Thank you so much. This is fun so far. Excellent. Enjoying it. Thanks so for far. <laughs> so far. Yeah. We, we, have, have, a, we, have, a, we have an hour to <laughs> change things around. <laughs> awesome. So let's start with our title just to get it out there. Devout in Doubt. That is the name of the book, uh, Diving into Deeper Devotion. What what made this happen? Yeah. So um, I've always wanted to write a book. I'm actually working on two others. Um, but in July of 2020, I was diagnosed with cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, cancer, and um, my whole world just came to a screeching halt. And uh, it was if you if you know the date, it was during COVID. What COVID. is what is that? <laughs> COVID. Yeah, you you can Google it, and uh, you'll le- you'll learn all about it. Uh, so March of 2020, we came down with COVID, and and uh, the whole world shut down. And in July, just about the time some of us were getting ready to go back to our offices and go back to work, I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, long, messy story, but just felt some pain in my abdomen. Decided to check myself into the emergency room, mm-hmm. and uh, within 12 hours, they're like, "You're not going anywhere." Uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. Seven days later on my 49th birthday on that day they handed me a piece of paper that said I had cancer and I was gonna start chemo the very next day wow. so all within seven days the whole world uh, just kind of um, shut down for my wife and I had to tell her that I had cancer on on the phone which which really kind of stunk mm. and um, and then we were quarantined uh, nobody could kind of come in and out I was in the hospital so for the next three or four months I was in and out of the hospital in quarantine going through pretty radical chemotherapy and um and uh and it was it was pretty advanced uh they said it was it was borderline between three and four stage three and four pretty aggressive cancer pretty aggressive treatment that came with it and um so you know i'm a pastor i'm an executive pastor in a large church here in miami about four thousand people and the big question was how do we communicate with the church in a way that lets them know uh you know that we communicate some transparency. Um, but at the same time, we protect the privacy of myself, my wife, and my kids. Um, to be really honest, we just we just didn't need or want people showing up on our door. We just, we really needed our space to kind of deal with this. So um, they, our communications director set up a, set up a, um, you know, the Caring Bridge site. Okay. It's a, it's a, 
it's a website for people who you know are sick or in the hospital. It's just kind of a way to communicate with people. So she set up this Caring Bridge uh, site, and um, and it was just a way to communicate with people, saying, "Hey, here's how I'm doing today. Here's how I'm doing tomorrow. Here's how I'm doing the next day." And um, those posts just took on um, a life of their own, and uh, to the tune of close to 10,000 people around the world wow. that were that were following this blog post. And we were just simply trying to keep people out of our hair while at the same time communicating exactly what was going on uh, with our lives. And about halfway through this, um, our treatment, someone suggested that I, I put this into a book form. And I ignored that the first couple of times because I just wasn't in any condition. I mean, mm-hmm. mentally, physically, I was spent. I was just done. But part of the way I... I I went through therapy was just to write and attach attach words to um, to my thoughts and emotions, mm-hmm. and so. Um, but we had enough people that came and just said, "Hey, would you would you consider putting that into a book?" So I called a friend of mine up in Notre Dame, Indiana, and I said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" He said, "Let me connect you with a publisher." And within a week, the editing board came back and said, "Man, we really love this. We'd love to turn this into a, a, a devotional book." and we started to format the thing, and uh, and the title came while I was just on a walk one day. I was just I was uh, just having my spiritual time with God, and and uh, just felt like this was good. Um, devout and doubt. What does it look like to maintain your faith, maintain your integrity, maintain your posture when the whole world seems like it's falling apart? So, wow, that's the what is that four minute version <laughs> of it? <laughs> Thank you for yeah. the cliff notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. On the so. devout and doubt. No, that's amazing. So, what I'm hearing is that a lot of people went into COVID and the pandemic and came out with babies and your baby was a book. <laughs> that's right. And your baby was the book. That's uh, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's I, at this point, especially after having three children, I'd rather come out with a book too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's no, that's, it's uh, amazing to hear, you know, uh, from what happened, what came out of it. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. It. And it was, it was, it was just an, it was an opportunity. And again, we, um, we've, we've been getting feedback now all over the world um, from people that I don't, I mean, there's a, there's a convent down in Columbia that, uh, that has reached out and said, Hey, we've been, we've been praying for you. We've been cheering for you. We've been, we've been, I have no idea who these people are and, and how, how they got connected with the message of the book and the heart of it. And uh, so we're just rolling with it. I'm a, I'm a surfer at heart. And so uh, (laughs) it's a wave that came that I'm jumping on and I'm going to, I'm going to ride that and, uh, and uh, you know, just seek that opportunity. So. So you're originally from California. Yep. And how did you end up in Miami? So originally from Southern California, a um, little fishing surfing village called Morro Bay, California. And um, I, I ended up in Miami by way of Notre Dame, South Bend, Indiana. And so um, I was I was a part of a youth minister's network. I was the director of operations at California Polytechnic State University, Cal Poly. And... Um, and as someone had just heard about me and they said, would you be interested in coming out and work with our youth at a pretty large church outside of Chicago? And uh, said no several times. <laughs> and uh, they, they invited me to come out and just meet the team. And honestly, we went out there to shut the guy up because he wouldn't, he was relentless. And my wife said, man, we'll just get a free trip to Chicago. Let's go. We've never been. <laughs> <laughs> that, was our, that was our motivation. We were, we were somewhat intrigued. And, and we went out there and just fell in love with the place. Spent 13 years there. Planted two churches. Mm-hmm. Ran their outreach ministry. And then a mutual friend of myself and the lead pastor at Miami Vineyard um, contacted me when they were looking for an executive pastor. 
and, and for your audience, an executive pastor is just a, a chief operating officer, someone who runs the operations and the finances. And, um, and I had a conversation with him, and 30 days later, we were down interviewing, and 30 days later, we were down in Miami working. And so been here for the last seven, seven and a half years. Wow. So rewinding back a little bit, as you talk about uh, devout and doubt, uh, when people enter crisis, and here in Neurostrategic Coaching and Christ Center International, our ministry, we have uh, obviously worked with a lot of individuals, have had advanced trauma, uh, PTSD, uh, women who have been illegally sexually trafficked. We've been on some missions uh, to East Africa and helping in those endeavors to restore the minds and souls of uh, women who have gone through those uh, difficult times. Um, we know that there are people of faith that when you talk about doubt, they kind of, you know, may put on a mask, if you will, or say, well, I, how can I be a man or a woman of faith and have doubt? It doesn't equate. But I think that's not a human process that is real. I think yeah. that's like a false self, if you will. Talk to me about when you talk about doubt, how can doubt be a good thing? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, one of the things we say, and I say in the book, is that doubt doesn't have to divide your faith. It doesn't even have to divide the sense of other than that uh, that we have. Because at some point, um, your your consciousness travels beyond what is definable, right? And and you 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 can't define it. It becomes unexplainable, and for a lot of people, that's really difficult to wrestle with. Um, when I can't attach language to something that I don't understand, and um, and so one of the things that that I really wrestled with um, was that doubt doesn't have to divide your faith. It can actually be a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. It can actually be a stepping stone um, into deeper faith. It can be a stepping stone to get on that platform and actually dive into deeper faith. And that's you know that's where we got the beautiful cover and, 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 and all of that. Um, and so doubt is actually a doorway to ask questions. If you will allow yourself to ask those questions. There you go. Right. If you will keep that conversation open and not close it off. And so many people walk away and I think they miss an opportunity for deeper understanding, deep, deeper comprehensive vision, um, to, to what could be in front of them. If, um, if they would just keep that conversation open, and, um, and this really applies to any area of leadership or any context, really, that if we can just keep that dialogue open, we don't have to agree with each other to be with each other, but let's keep the dialogue open and let's continue to seek to understand. And that's what, to me, um, that's the tool that doubt can be in any area of life, but certainly in our faith, right? Let's, let's just keep that conversation open. We don't fully understand everything yet, but let's continue to ask questions um, because I believe the better and best version of myself is on the other end of that. Wow. Right? That's powerful. And I think so... Even as you go into the conversation about defining doubt, your phone rings. And I think, that's, I think that when you're going into doubt, that's exactly what has to happen. You have to answer the call that's being brought to you. You have to rise out of, out of that doubt, and that's showing what you need to do. And it's how are you going to respond when negative things happen? Because, you know, they always say there's a few things that are guaranteed in life, and that's death and paying taxes and all that. But there will be some times yeah. when you doubt yourself, and that is the time you need to answer the call within yourself to get out of it because it's about how you respond. Completely. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, you know, and my answer, 
my, with the answer I just gave you, Dr. Mario, it sounds clean and tidy. Um, and, and even in the book, I, I even say right up front in the book, um, there are 49 different um, entries. But there's another 160 days where I didn't write. Mm. And, 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 and those days, uh, you know, I was, I was struggling. I was either emotionally spent. I was either, or physically, I had nothing to give. And so the book is kind of a time lapse. And so when you look at a time lapse, um, it all seems clean and tidy, right? But there were quite a few days where I was, frankly, just pissed off at God. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least wrestling and saying, I don't understand um, what's going on here. But again, the, the, key, the, the key element of uh, doubt and how it can be a tool to open up your imagination for what maybe God is doing, maybe what you need to learn about yourself is, is simply to, I mean, there's two different, I, I could have said, God, what are you doing? Right. And that's a posture we often have when, when tragedy strikes us, God, what are you doing? Another posture. And, and I did have that. I did have that. Right. Another posture is, okay, God, what are you doing? Right. Two different tones, two different postures. Um, God, God, what's happening here? Or God, what are you up to? And I have a choice. I have a choice. I can either go through this experience because either way, I'm not going to avoid this experience. Cancer is not going away. I can't wish it away. I can't hope it away, right? And so I can either go through this experience or I can grow through this experience, right? I can, I can either go through it or I can grow through it. And that sounds, again, very clean and very tidy. And I didn't get from point A to point B overnight. But um, I really believe, God, there is something on the other end of this conversation, Right? I believe the better and best version of who I've been made to be is on the other side of this conversation. It may suck between here and there. And it did on most days. It did. It was the most miserable experience. And I'm sure you guys know folks that have gone through chemo and just the nastiness of it. I mean, literally think about it. They're injecting poison into your body to kill all the bad things, but it also kills all the good things. And then they get they they backfill it with all sorts of medicine to try to <laughs> keep it balanced. Right. It's just it's 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 a rather marvelous and 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 almost perverse process. Um, but you know that I I do believe the better version of Paul Baldwin is on the other end of this thing. And so and it leads me to a place where I'm like I can't I can't I can't wait to see what else I discover. I hope I don't go through something like this again. But it does give me a new imagination for learning and and for exploring and to, and to see. What else is out there that I can learn? You know, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so as you said that story, a lot of things went to mind. I think, you know, the first thing that we do is it, when we doubt anything, it's just because we have forgotten the things that we are certain of. Sure. Right. Because that, that, at the end of the day, that is the opposite of what doubt is. Right. It's having certainty. This is something I don't know yeah. or I, I'm not familiar with or I've never experienced. And the opposite of that is, yeah, I have knowledge in it. I have experience in it. Um, but that's very difficult with things that you don't see. Now, what, why does that bring me back? Because then it comes down to specifically the religion part. A lot of people will say, well, you know, what is happening to me and all that? The doubt is the what and who, right? What is happening to me? Who is happening to me? Who, why is this person affecting those kind of things? what you should be certain about is the how and why it's happening to you. Mm. So for you, Paul, was, was it at any point now that you know, Hey, what happened? Cancer, right? Who did it affect you? But now then on the other side is how and why, 
you know, how did you overcome that and why did you overcome that? At any point, did it hit you? Hey, this is part of my journey to help others understand things, to teach other understand things, because the why is something that we create. So at what point was it that it hit you with, this is why I have to do this book? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I mean, um, well, let me answer it this way. So um, about, um, I'm, I'm 51 years old. Um, this happened when I was 49 years old. Uh, when I was 38 years old, I went through a, I, I went through another medical uh, thing. Um, I'm really not broken here, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, when he said that, <laughs> when, when 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 this happened when I was 38, I remember I remember. Um, I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, but I'll, I'm gonna go ahead and admit it. Um, that that I I went to God and I'm like, why is this happening after everything I've done for you? Now, I didn't actually say that language, but th- mm-hmm. my posture was that I, after every, everything I've done, you know, I've been serving, I've given my life to the church, I've given my life to nonprofits, I've been giving my life to making the world a better place, and and this is how you repay me? I'd never say that. And none of us would ever say that, but my posture was that. In other words, I was, I was physically surprised by my illness, but I was spiritually unprepared mm. to go through it. Mm. You know, fast forward to my 49th birthday when I found out I had cancer. Um, very, very different posture. Um, I was physically surprised that this, this was happening. We have no cancer in the family, no history of it at all. Um, physically surprised. But not, but spiritually very prepared this time, right? And and um, and so you go through the natural emotions because you know my wife is thinking, oh my god, for the second time in my marriage, I may lose my husband. My kids are thinking, are we going to lose dad? Mm. So you go through all of those emotions, um, but spiritually we were at a place where we're like, okay, something's going on here. This doesn't make sense. And you know we live in a fallen world. There's sickness. Um, it just happens. Um, and so we quickly discovered the why, um, primarily with our children. I remember the second day I, I told my wife, I said, how we respond to this tragedy, um, will, will really impact our kids. All, all of our kids are young adults and how they see their dad and how they see their mom, um, go through tragedy and it won't be the last tragedy, right? We all go through tragedy, um, Will will be a a discipling will be a a forming it'll be a shaping uh, experience for my kids. So that was our first why. Um, and the second why came as as we we started getting feedback from all of the different um, people around the world. And I I looked at my wife and I said, "Wouldn't it be crazy if the Lord trusted us enough with this tragedy um, so that we could be a ministry, so that we could be a benefit, so that we could be a help." to people we've never met and may never meet around the world. And that was, that was, that was kind of fueling. It was just, it was a ridiculous thought. Um, and so we just, we, we embraced it and, um, and we went for it. Um, did we have bad days? Absolutely. I mean, come (laughs) on, man, you're human and you're getting, you know, um, but there were, there were days where I would wake up and go, okay, what am I going to tell this audience today? You know, so it, it, the why began with our kids and then it, it just it kind of fanned out to, um, you know, our church and then um, people around the world that we we have never met. 
probably will never met. See, and that's the free will that we have, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the free will that, you know, hey, God gives us. God gives you free will. You do it with what you want. And that's assigning why you do things or who you do things with. That's your free will. It's yeah. not just, well, I get to wake up and I choose to do this. It's yeah. the why you choose to do that that yeah. really matters. Yeah. And we talk about that's that good. in coaching a lot. You know, what is your why? What What is your higher intent? What is your what is your purpose, purpose yeah. and what is your calling? And as we look at, you know, historical, you know, theological uh, uh, writings, we see men and women of God who obviously had issues and whose friends abandoned them, cursed them. Yeah. And, and even a spouse was saying, why don't you deny God? What I'm hearing from you is, is that as you went through your episode, you had a different result. You had many people who reached out and perhaps it was great that you set that healthy boundary. And of course your circumstances were different because of that thing called COVID it happened sometime back in our lifetime. Um, but who were the people that were closest to you other than family? Who, who were your spiritual mentors? Who, who came to give you a, a, a word that gave you hope and inspiration. Yeah, that's. I've got a real good friend um, who, uh, from my Notre Dame uh, South Bend days, who um, actually came into a relationship with me um, uh, just in, in the most peculiar way. But he's become a lifetime friend, and um, and he's not a pastor. He's he's not a prophet. He's not a he's he 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 works in IT and um, as and and. and business management at Notre Dame University. And he was probably my most consistent um, life giver when it comes to other human beings in my life. Mm. A couple of guys in a um, small group in our church would just would, would text daily, daily. A couple of guys from high school, uh, 35 years ago, um, would, would daily check in with me. And, um, and not from, and from different faiths. Mm-hmm from different faiths. And, um, but there was this, there was this common connection of spirituality, uh, that we've, we've, we've talked about before. And, um, and they would just, they would check in and just be like, how are you doing? How are you doing? Of course, my pastor, uh, Kevin, he would, he would check in from, with me and, and how are you doing? How are you doing? Kevin Fisher. Kevin Fisher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our lead pastor at the vineyard. And so there were probably five, six people that would, that would constantly, um, check in. And there's a lot of there's a lot of life giving energy that comes from just checking in. And I'm thinking about you, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't take much. Like when you're at the absolute bottom, um, just just a little bit of light is is uh, helpful. Yeah. And I'm a pretty positive guy too. I'm a pretty glasses half full kind of guy. <laughs> and um, but this was this was this was rather depleting. So. So let me ask you this. Um, I think a lot of times when people really get pushed up against their boundaries in life when there's a traumatic event, when there's a, you know, something that really that's, they would define as stressful in their lives. People find and people lose religion. I believe there's people who've never believed in God and something's happening. I don't know if they're, they're in a car accident. They're, you know, rolling down a mountain and it's so oh, God help me, you know, they, they find religion real fast, uh, whether they've had <laughs> uh, exposure to it or not. And then the opposite, I think for some, some of those people of faith where they start to question, like, why is this happening to me and whatnot? Mm -hmm. What would you say? I need three keys to success right now on how. <laughs> but what would you say when you were at, maybe at your lowest, maybe coming off of a few days of not writing or whatnot, even maybe in this book? What was 
something or something you took away or a learning you got at that point that would help you move forward Yeah, when someone's at that level? Yeah, I think that when you are, we don't realize how dependent we are on so many different things, right? And when you're, when you're stripped of absolutely everything, like the dignity is completely gone, right? And you've got absolutely nothing left to reach for that will give you any kind of peace or hope or, or anything that will, that will minimize um, the pain. You, you just, you've, you've got nothing else. I think that's where, what really tests um, where, your, where your faith is. Um, so for me, you know, I mean, scripture talks, the ancient scriptures talk about this all the, all the way throughout scripture that, um, that, um, suffering is, is a, is a powerful, powerful mechanism, right? Um, that in your suffering, you're, you're more open to receive and to tap into things that are outside of your own understanding and outside of your control, right? I call it the other than. Right? You can't categorize it, you can't name it, you can't label it, and you're more open to receive um, something spiritual. Um, and why is that? I, I believe that we are created people, and I believe that we are spiritual people. And so when you hear about people having out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences, they immediately gravitate to whatever faith system um, connects with them the most. And so, um, so for me... I would say if, if I were to put a formula into it, <laughs> I would say if you were asked, if I were, if I was asked, I would say lean in, mm. right? Lean in. You don't have to understand um, it all, right? Lean in and keep it open, right? And then lean in again, and then ask questions. So I would say lean in, ask questions, lean in even further, ask questions. Do not back away from what it is that you're experiencing. Again, and, I, and I'm not necessarily talking about faith in God, although that is my system. That is, my, that is where I lean. That is where I found my hope. That is where I found my peace that the Bible says goes beyond our understanding. Um, but even before that, even, even before you get to that point, lean in. Lean in and keep that conversation open. And I think that you'll discover some beautiful things about yourself. I think you'll discover the better and best version of yourself on the other end of that. But if you, if you lean away and you shut down that conversation, it's going to make you bitter. Hmm. It will not make you better. It will make you bitter. It will not make you better. And, um, and I've seen that in 30-something years of ministry. I've seen that over and over and over. When marriages close the conversation, they become bitter and they become roommates. Hmm. Right? Um, when athletes, um, stop leaning in, they reach their peak and they won't get any better, right? Lean in, keep that conversation wide open. Even if you don't understand, seek to understand. So I'm sure there's a formula in there somewhere. <laughs> um, and, I, asked, uh, I asked for three keys, but we can take that formula. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. I, mean, I like it. it. Lean in, lean he in, did. lean in. Like Come on, lean in, in lean in, and lean in. Give me a bonus. Ask questions, then keep leading. I needed him in the form of a question. And he said, hashtag, bitter, not better. I mean, you know. That's good. <laughs> Come on. Bitter, not better. There you go. Uh, what One of the things that I'm hearing from you, I've heard from uh, many individuals who are going through the process uh, I've got some individuals that I love dearly and I'm coaching right now. 
uh, that are either on the other side of uh, cancer or are going through a process. And you mentioned that the dignity is gone. And when I hear from any one of the clients, whether they're a church member or an executive, that the dignity is gone, it takes me back to, along with that dignity, it seems like their identity is at a loss. Mm. Can you speak to that? Was there ever a time? And how did you get your identity back if you did? Yeah, well, so the angle that I would go on that question is that in many ways, dignity is an expression of our pride. Um, and, and nobody wants to admit that because we like to, we like to say that we're dignified. We like to say that we act with dignity and, um, that it can be an expression of our pride. So when I say I lost all of my dignity, my wife saw sides of me that I never wanted her to see. Uh, my children saw weakness in me that I never wanted their father um, to demonstrate to them or to, you know, um, to show them. Um, I wasn't able to do all of the things that I was able to do uh, with our, my staff and with those that I would coach around the country. Um, I wasn't able to offer the things that I was able to offer. I wasn't able to be the things that I had been before. And so my dignity was lost, but those were the things, if I'm really honest, those are the things that, that helped shape my identity. And so when you lose those things, who are you? There you go. Right? If you take those things away, then, then who are you really? Well, the beautiful thing about that, and again, the scriptures talk about that, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, they're, for theirs are, is ready, they're ready to receive the kingdom of God, right? When those things are, when those things are torn away from you, however that happens, um, you're in a more ready position to re some, receive something of sustenance, something that's more secure, that's more hopeful, um, that's more sustaining. Because, you know, I, I come from a faith system that believes that our identity should be rooted in the person and personality of Christ, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and that's what's sustaining, and that's, that's how, I believe, that's how we were made. But what we do, and with the best intentions, all of us do this, is over the course of our lifetime, we get our degrees. I'm, I've got degrees. We have our accomplishment. I have accomplishments. We have a great family. I've got a great family. We've got all these things, and, 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 and we're affirmed in those things. And that um, nobody's intending to do this, and, and, and I didn't intend to do this. Um, but those things just kind of, over the last 50 years, have kind of shaped my identity. And now those things have been torn away from me. And so I'm laying there in a hospital bed all by myself with a, with a gown that never fits. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got my ass kind of hanging out the backside of it. Got it. Free, right? free air conditioning. Free gotcha. air conditioning. <laughs> and, wow. um, and it's undignified. Yeah. yeah. And I've got a, a, a junk load of, you know, drugs coming into me. And I'm dependent on uh, everyone but myself. Mm. Um, it's an opportunity to reshape your identity. Or you can get lost in that and become bitter, right? To me, um, there was an opportunity to become better, the better and best version of myself. So dignity and pride, to me, are very connected. Mm -hmm. and, and those things, and I, I believe pride is really the root of um, a lot of our identities. So, yeah, for sure. And as you, would you say you have a different identity after 
without the process or did you go back and just double down and enhance on the one you previously had no 100 percent. you feel you're a different person today yeah and uh you talk to my staff you talk to my kids you talk to my my wife they would say he's completely different person um same personality different person if that makes sense and so this is more of a question for Dr. Mario Uh-oh. because we've spoken a lot about this. So when this happens, so and we'll use Paul's case, right? Or, you know, sure. You go through suffering. We'll use the words here that we've been using. You go through the tragedy and the suffering. Now you're going to redefine your identity, right? Whether you do it through pride, ego, or however you're going to do it. Or faith, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this now the identity that you're choosing? Is this choice or is this more nature and nurture? Because what I've come to find is when you go through a struggle and you're and, 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 and it happens to you as a child, there's still your environment molding that identity. But once it happens at, you know, 39, 49, and then you decide, hey, I have to move on with my life, whatever the tragedy is. At that point, you're old enough to make a decision on what identity you choose next. Hmm. You make that decision. And when you're stripped of everything as, as what would you say are the biggest influences in that decision making process? They're going to vary depending on the individual. Uh, For me and my belief system, it's faith and family, right? It's renewal of the mind. It's, it's, it's taking a real look at what's inside my soul because when everything is taken wherever, and I've never had cancer, delete, cancel. We're free of that. We're free of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we have lost a grandchild. And I recall the moments of darkness and loss based on the loss of our two-and-a-half-year-old's grandson at that time. And it also had an impact in many different ways on different individual family members. Mario has his story. I have mine. My wife, if you ask the mother of the child, it made her a champion. She emerged out of that loss and grief. Was there moments of pain? Oh, absolutely. But I recall what inspired me in that moment of tragedy was how at the funeral, there was over 300 people that awake. She pulled out the book that she would read to him every night and read him the final bedtime story. And that was inspirational. I mean, <laughs> I could cry right she, now. <laughs> she, she, she read it as she read it every time before. Yes. As if he was still there. Wow. Yes. So the whole house is breaking down. Yeah. And That's she's heavy, reading, not sobbing, just reading yes. as if he was right there, turning the pages, Good, looking, mercy. looking at, you know, the scene and, uh, and that was a choice. Was that was a decision. Again, for her, I can speak for her, Erica Rodriguez. Shout out to my daughter. <laughs> and I know her. She, yeah, for real. <laughs> and she made a decision right then and there that she knew, obviously, the destiny of her son and didn't know the why. Because at that point in time, we did not know what we knew two years after when she became pregnant again that the child had XLA, which is an immune deficiency. She did. We did not know that. So we didn't have a why. So there was a lot of blank stares and, and a lot of questions and, and a lot of people that were angry. But she gave us peace. 
at least that's the way I embraced that situation. So were we stripped? Absolutely. Could we have questioned God? Most definitely. Why did you take this child who was perfectly healthy other than having ear infections for, for six months? But what sustained us was our faith and not hopium because there's a lot of people out there with hopium, Paul. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> they're sir. hoping, they're hoping, they're hoping, but smoking that hopium. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but they're taking no action. And what I'm, what I love about Paul's story is the sustainability that even though all those things happened, he stayed the course. Let me ask you this, Paul. Let's have a, let's have a man to man here. No, but just hearing some of that, that story and hearing some of the treatment, like the, the chemo. What would you say? Because obviously this is something, you know, it, it's kind of heartbreaking. And I, and I want to say there's, there's something going on in the last 20, 30 years, uh, you know, because I'm 38, 39, 39 years old now, you know what I mean? All Happy this, birthday. All this Happy birthday, coach. <laughs> all this experience and wisdom. Uh, <laughs> but seeing people get diseases and cancer at younger ages than ever and get, you know, passing away from other things. And I'm not talking about things in the last two years, but things before that. Knowing that you've been there, meaning let's just give you a, spe a specific scenario. And you're walking into a room and there's somebody there going through the chemo treatment. And they're lost, completely lost and don't see. They're asking these questions. What would you say to them? I would say lean in. <laughs> Continue to ask those questions. I mean, really, um, you know, there's something about tragedy. There's something about suffering. There's something about loss that gives us a certain openness to anything that will help, right? And so um, I am, I'm a diehard on my faith system. I, I've been through enough life to say that I do believe my faith is the answer. But I also know that I got there um, on my own pathway, right? Um, and so I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to, I'm going to care for them. I'm going to feel it and not fix it. Mm -hmm. Um and just be the presence. In our faith system, we would say, hey, one of the best ways to minister to someone is just to be Christ to them, be Jesus to them, right? And so, um, you know, in our faith system, we don't believe that Jesus is going to force his love on any person. <laughs> um, if the lights are out, uh, don't expect Jesus to turn the lights on. He may just sit in the dark with you and hold your mm -hmm. hand. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I think the best thing that we can do is just to feel it and just to be there with them. Now, do I have more of an uh, empathetic uh, posture with them? Of course, I've been there. Um, but I've never lost a child or a grandchild, right? So how can I possibly be there for them if I've not experienced that? It's the same, it's the same formula, just to lean in, ask questions, and uh, be present with them. I'm not sure if I, I answered your question, but... I mean, I can role play pretty good. I can be like, but what do you mean lean in? Lean into what? I've lost that. Well, I mean, I'm being serious here. Yeah. What do you mean lean in? I am sick. I am throwing up. I have, you know, I was planning on doing this and going to the trips. And now I'm planning to just to go to Rome before I die. Yeah. So I what mean, do you want me to lean into? Wanna, I'd actually. We're playing the devil's advocate here. Yeah, no, I got it. In <laughs> fact, I even speak to that in, in the book. So thanks for the setup there. Noise. Um, <laughs> Pick it up today. Uh, there's there's a chapter in there that says, "Is it okay to be angry with God?" Uh, right, and the answer is yes. That's a short answer. Uh, the longer answer is God can handle it, and um, 
And nine times out of 10, I do hear people say that they're pissed off at God. Why would he let this happen? If there mm-hmm. is a God, why would he let this happen? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, and so why would I trust in a God that would let this happen? I've had those questions. I've asked those questions. I've asked those questions as recently as two years ago. Right. Um, did I ever lose? I, I was devout in my doubt. What that means is that I wasn't completely pious and I wasn't completely uh, 100% like God said it. I believe it. I'm, you know, <laughs> that's not what devout and doubt means. Devout and doubt means I continued to lean into um, my doubt. The doubt was there, it was present. Whether I believe in God or not, I'm doubting that the universe is in control here. I'm doubting that, that, um, that this is going to be okay. And so what, what do I mean by that? I, 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 would, I would literally just sit and just say, hey, um, it's okay to feel that you're not okay. Right? It's okay to not be okay. Right. Um, and it's okay. Just sit in that. Um, can I pray for you? Do you have any questions? Um, and, and just keep that dialogue open. And, then, and I believe, again, in my faith system that, um, that God will open the door for different opportunities to share and um, and to minister or to just be present. You know? Paul, question. I guess to piggyback on what Coach is asking. More questions, Paul. What did you sign up for? <laughs> <laughs> Man, let's go. The victim mentality. Mm-hmm. How did you overcome that? Because at some point it had to happen, right? Like, poor me. That had to happen at some point. It happens to all of us. Or Even, why me? Right? Uh, yeah, or, or why me, right? Uh, well, no, because it's it's the why me is 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 what you're creating, right? So if 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 something bad happens and this is why it's happening to me, like you get to create that. Why it's happening to me? Well, I, I didn't belong there. I've had bad things happen to me, and and I sat there and I'm like, well, that wasn't meant for me to be. I wasn't supposed to be with that person. I wasn't supposed to be at that job. I wasn't supposed to be in that city. I wasn't supposed, right? Like like I knew it. I didn't feel good with it. So now I'm in a better place. And and so, but the victim mentality, at some point it does kick in. Poor me, right? Poor little old me. <laughs> For you going through this process, did that occur? And if it did, when did you say, I'm not going down that road? No yeah. mas. Yeah, no. It, it, it's interesting because we talk about um, all dignity being broken apart. And, and it's kind of a, it's an opportunity for a fresh start to kind of develop some fresh identity that's more solid and secure. What's interesting about the victim mentality is, is that that can quickly become your new identity. Mm. Correct. Right. And, and, um, and even this, even this, you know, I got so tired of people saying, hey, how you doing? Right. And I'm like, if somebody asked me that question one more time, my head's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I'm, I'm tired. But what's interesting well, that was is my last question. Let me epic into the podcast. Oh, my God. His head exploded. Um, but what was interesting is um, I, f- I found myself almost craving that attention. Because now I'm, I'm the center of attention yeah. because everybody's everybody's you know, wanting to know how pastor Paul's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I got, you got to be really careful that you don't lose, um, the opportunity that you never wanted. I, I never wanted to have cancer and I would never want it for anyone, not even for my worst enemy. There was an opportunity there for me to become the best and better version of myself. And, and I leaned into it and I kept the conversation wide open but then what happened is I had a new kind of attention. I had a new kind of affirmation. I write the book and this is, people are, people are reading it all over the world right now. 
It's a new kind of affirmation. It's a new kind of a, a, attention. And you've got to continually check yourself or you're going to wreck yourself. Right? <laughs> you got to continually check yourself and not lose what it is that you've been given in this gift of this new and fresh identity. So the victim mentality, how did I protect myself from that? I, I literally told my wife, I said, I don't want to be the victim here, right? I don't want to be, I mean, you, you've got to name it and you've got to, you've got to, you've got to give it to someone you trust to say, will you hold mm -hmm. me accountable to this? Um, I don't want to be a hypochondriac. I don't want to, uh, you know, every time I sneeze, I feel like my, I'm losing my life. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to almost, uh, indirectly crave this attention that, how are you doing? Hey, I got you a gift card. You know, all <laughs> these different things, uh, you can, you can almost get addicted to that and it will shape your identity again. So I actually told my wife, don't allow me to fall into this victim man, uh, mentality. Right? I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. In my faith system, I am a victor. There is victory on the other side of this thing. And so I want to remain there. And I want to I understand that the source and supply of my identity is not the fact that I wrote a book. It's not the fact that I'm sick and I'm getting all this attention. It's not the fact that um, you know, I, I now have this new audience. The source and the supply of my, um, my peace is the Prince of Peace in my faith system. That's what we believe. And that's where I run back to. Now, he's given me opportunities to write. He's given me opportunities to speak. He's given me an opportunity to look at life very differently. Um, but those things that have been given to me are not the source and supply. And, and the victim mentality is actually something that uh, you choose to receive, right? It's, it's, the world wants to give it to you, Yes, but you, you, you decide whether or not you want to receive it. And so um, I'm not sure if that's the answer you were expecting. I'm not sure if that's the question you were asking. <laughs> but I, I love how you said it, that you have to protect yourself from that. Absolutely. All right. I also love that you quoted Ice Cube. You got to check yourself before you wreck that's yourself. There you go. <laughs> Just trying to stay relevant. Your gym, you know? your gym playlist is showing. <laughs> For yeah. real. Yep. <laughs> And probably my probably my age is showing yeah. me, yeah, because a little bit, that's a little dated. No, I mean absolutely. I mean, love it. That makes sense. You have to be, you know, awareness is everything. Yeah, they say consciousness equals awareness, and mm -hmm. you have to be aware of what where you are before you move anywhere you want to go. Yeah, the only the only way to and again, uh, you know, um, uncertainty. The only way to get to a place of certainty is to travel through uncertainty. There's, mm. I, I've just, oh, yes. I've just yeah. not. I've not found another way to get to certainty. That's another book, man. It's another book. It's another book. It's another book but it, it's um, it's all of that. It's all yeah. of that wrapped up into it. So, yeah, I like it. So, uh, as you mentioned, readers can uh, find out more about your journey by purchasing "Devout in Doubt." And uh, what's the website? Where can they purchase? Yeah, Anywhere books are sold, you can certainly go to paulbaldwin.org, okay. and um, you can get it through there. But it's it's. Uh, Anywhere books are sold. I highly say. recommend it, whether you're yeah. going through something and or you know a friend. I've, I've purchased some. I've sent some out. Uh, I, I highly encourage you because there is encouragement and there's sincerity. Awesome. I like the transparency uh, of your journey. So we appreciate you. And uh, it's just just an amazing journey that you've gone through. And you come out on the I other let, side. I let it all hang out. Man. <laughs> yeah, for real. And uh, that I, 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 in checking your background here, the, the proceeds of this book, hundred percent go to the American Cancer Society. There you go. That was another. Um, I, I I get a lot of I get a lot of ideas when I'm out running or walking, and the book title was one of them. 
and the other one was uh, was let's not keep any of this money. And that was just kind of that was something I felt like we needed to do. Um, in the scriptures, it talks about giving a fr- first fruit um, back to God, and so uh, this was my this was my first fruit. So I went home and I told my wife, and she said, "What if you sell like a million copies?" <laughs> I'm going to be like, that's going to suck, and it's going to be awesome at the same time. Because <laughs> we're committed to 100% of it going to, um, you know, research. And, you know, cancer is 600,000 cases of cancer in the United States alone, new cases a year. Mm-hmm. It wow. is it is a pandemic, and um, it's an epidemic, and uh, it's it's just, you know. So it's it's something that, that um, wasn't really attached to my heart before, is now, and so... I'm hoping that we can sell a million copies and, mm-hmm. and, and do some good with it. So. Yeah. So your wife's name is Beth. Becky. Becky. Yep. And your children? I've got four children. Um, got a 28 year old. She's married with our first grandchild, center of our universe. I've got a 26 <laughs> year old son um, and a 24 year old daughter. She's married as well, and then a 21 year old daughter. So. As we as we come to a close, and I know we can go on for a long time, especially since we're only on page like three of the whole book, <laughs> as far as <laughs> content's concerned, what what message, what would you want to convey, uh, and not just from the book itself, from a life learner through your journey through through Christ, through your journey through meeting people, what message do you want to leave today? Um, yeah, you know? don't don't settle, don't settle. I know that sounds almost cliche, but I believe that many of us, most of us, will go through life. And just settle um, for average. Hmm. And I believe that the best and better version of every single human being on the planet is on the other end of tragedy. And we're all going to experience tragedy at some level, in in some form. Um, Disappointment, frustration, um, that if you can can learn um, a posture uh, that embraces that, get the help that you need through coaching, through counseling, whatever means you need, to to really discover who you are and who you were meant to be, I think that you will you will live a life that you never thought was possible. I just believe that with everything. But you may have to go through some rough trails to get there. Um, so don't settle. Don't settle. Lean in and don't settle. This is uh, our guest has been Paul Baldwin. Oh my goodness. This has been an amazing opportunity. Thank awesome. you so much for the learnings. I've taken a lot of notes myself. Good, awesome. Yeah. Yes. We'll see you next time.